Good morning. And even the people way back in the lobby, good morning to you as well. We're so glad that you are here and uh, in our living room in our overflow area. We're so glad uh, that you're here and uh, just an exciting day around here. Baptisms and worship, it's just a good day to be together. Are you enjoying the weather this weekend? Oh my word, we, that's enough to praise God for right there, you bet. A uh, little, little teaser here, they, they do that to us, uh, God seems to do that every year, but we know that the girls' state basketball tournament is coming, which means blizzard, right? So we, we know that uh, maybe some more snow uh, is on the way, but I don't know if, if you felt this, even if it is just a little tease, when you went outside the last couple days, did you just take a deep breath? And just breathe in. It kind of has that spring-like smell. Things are melting and the, 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 the buds are coming out of the trees a little bit. Maybe. But you feel that and you sense that and you take that deep breath and it just kind of fills up your lungs with that crisp, cool spring air. And that feeling that fills up your air, that fills up your lungs, I, I believe that's what God desires weekly worship to be. That you go throughout your week and you, just, you get filled up with all sorts of stuff and I just need some refreshment. I need to take a big, deep breath of the Holy Spirit and breathe God in and get all cleaned out. I think that's the spring. I think that's worship. And I pray that every week when you leave here that that's what you feel, that you have a, a sense of that, that there could be nothing more important than what we are doing here. You saw in our video this morning that our focus this morning is on lost things that are found. So many of you have, uh, have discovered uh, this in your own life, whether it's losing your keys uh, or your, your wallet, or maybe if you're like me, you are on the phone and then you ask somebody, where is my phone? Have you ever done that, right? We all know, what, where is it? I can't find it. I'm looking all over my house. I can't find it anywhere. We've all done that, and, and we're going to dig into that a little bit. But here's the thing. This scripture is much bigger than a story. It actually speaks to what kind of a church we want to be. If we want to be a church after Jesus' own heart, we're going to need to look at the way that Jesus lived and the things that he was passionate about. As we continue to grow as a church and we continue to expand and, and, and kind of run out of space here, which we'll ne we're never going to complain about, like praise God for that. Praise God for that. Amen. We're never going to complain about that. God is doing amazing things. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. As we continue to grow, it becomes very and very important that we continue to remind ourselves of why we're here, why we do what we do, our mission, what we're about. And I, and I, I have talk to a lot of new people as you continue to come and, and the church continues to grow, especially uh, last night on Saturday night as that service continues to grow. And if you're looking for a spot, <coughs> excuse me, and you'd never rather not sit outside the women's bathroom, you are more than welcome to come on Saturday night too. We encourage you to do that. Come anytime, but we would encourage you to check out Saturday night sometime if you haven't. But as we continue to grow, the question that I get asked a lot is kind of around this theme of so what are you guys all about down there? I, maybe you've heard of Lutheran Church of Hope. I know a little bit about them, but what, what are you about? Why does Hope have a campus downtown? What is that all about? And it seems to revolve around that theme. And, and the reason that that question is important, because far too often the church, not Hope or not just Hope Des Moines, but the church, unfortunately, has become known for more of what we're against than what we're for. We've become known way too much as a place of judgment rather than a place of grace. The church far too often has become known as a place that is boring rather than a place that is absolutely relevant. And one of the reasons that we exist is to buck the system, 
and to be the kind of church that you would rearrange your schedule to be a part of. Because following Jesus is worth rearranging your schedule, giving everything to. So I wonder this morning, we just did a little test here. If you're out and about, if you go out to eat after the service today, or you're out and about working, or you're downtown this week walking around the street somewhere, and somebody were to come up to you, and somehow the conversation at church would come up, and they say they would ask you, so I've heard about this Lutheran Church of Hope. I heard you're down there in Ingersoll now. What are you guys all about? What, what are you up to down there? What, what, what are, how would you answer that question? You don't have to say it out loud, but just think about that. How would you personally, not uh, go talk to the pastor, but no, you, a member of this body, a member of this family, how would you answer that question? I like to look at things in kind of a, a visual sense. Now, I know, we know that the church is not a building, right? The church is you. I'm looking at it right here. We are the church. The church is people, but I'm, because I am a terrible artist, I'm not even going to attempt to draw people for you. So I'm going to draw uh, what most people think of as the church. And so this is my amazing Picasso of the church. And so, oh, look, there's our little door, and here's our little sign that says hope on it. Yay! And our steeple that we don't have. So here we are uh, at a former car dealership being the church, not just coming to church, but for lack of better terms, this is the church. When you think about the church, a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's Lutheran Church of Hope and you're this big old church, so it's really, I'm sure, it's just all about the numbers, right? It's just about getting more people to the building. That's the only goal is just we want to have more and more people because, you know, bigger churches are better, which is a flat-out lie. Bigger is not better, smaller is not better, better is better, right? And better is being more effective for the kingdom and sticking to our mission. So it's not just about the numbers. Some people will say, oh, I know, you're just like a lot of other nonprofits. The church is just one more business. It's all about money, right? You just want more money. You just want our offerings. That's why we're doing this Lenten project, just so you can give the church more money. That's really what it's all about. If we have more money, then we can build bigger buildings. So it's either about the numbers, it's about the money, or it's about building bigger buildings. I've got some great news for you. It's not about any of those things. Those are all byproducts of being faithful to God and his mission. And we'll leave the results up to him. The reason we do everything we do is for our mission, which is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. And it's really important that we remember that because as we continue to grow as a church, as you come and you're checking things out and you're feeling things out here, sometimes we get a little off from our mission, even in the slightest, most innocent of ways. Uh, we, We love it that you're here. We love it that you love the music. We love it that you're here and, 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 the, and you love the, the messages and, and, and that you're here and, and you enjoy the classes and the, and the groups that we do and, and, and that you come and you meet your friends and it's a great place to, to see each other. And maybe this is a good location for you. You live downtown now or I've talked to a lot of people that are moving back downtown. We love it that you love the size, that maybe it's a little bit more intimate and, we, and, and that's great and everything like that. But ultimately, none of those things are the most important. I want you to know my heart in this. We want you here, but we want you to be here because more than anything else, what supersedes all those things, and none of those things are bad, but what supersedes all of them is are you on board with the mission? 
If this is the Hope Des Moines bus, not literally, we have those, but this is the Hope Des Moines bus, this is where we're going. We're trying to get people connected to Jesus. We are reaching out to the world around us to share his love. Are you on board with that? That's never going to change. The size is going to change. We may change our worship styles. Maybe I'll have Jed play the organ next week and just throw everybody off, right? Maybe not. That would be weird. Um, Right? I may come out in a robe some week. We may sing hymns. We might have hole donuts instead of donut holes. I don't know. We might throw you off, right? Actually, there'd be much rejoicing if we did that. Okay? Those things are all going to change. What's never going to change is our mission. And another thing that's never changed in over 20 years of Lutheran Church of Hope is our core values. These guardrails, these key principles that keep us focused and guided on our mission. And one of those is up on the screen here. Let's read it together. One of those is this. Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. Oh, I think we can do better than that. One more time. Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. And how do we know that? Do we just come up with mission statements? Do we just come up with these core values? No, we look at Jesus' life because Jesus came to show us what God is like. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, what we know is that Jesus' heart beats for the lost sheep. God's heart beats for the people that are on the outside. Jesus made his mission crystal clear. Crystal clear. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 15. That's what we read today, and that's where we're going to camp out for a while. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to start at verse 1. We read this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I love the Bible sometimes just because it's so humorous. I, when I read that, my mind, I don't know, my weird mind goes to like, what is this, Al Capone and his gangsters or something? You know, like notorious sinners, you know often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. And then get this, with the exclamation point at the end, even eating with them. How dare he, right? So Luke likes to put a little emphasis there on the end. Why the emphasis? Because in Jesus' day, you have to understand, if you are eating with somebody... That is an automatic sign of friendship. Not only have I invited you into my house, which is like vulnerable, right? Do you invite anybody over to your house? How about to your dining room table? That's a big deal. So Jesus is not just associating with them. He is befriending them. We know that Jesus is, by this time, he's growing in in popularity and he's attracting quite the crowd. But the people that he's attracting are not the religious people. They're not the pastor types. They're not the super spiritual people. They're not the people that think that they have it all together. It's the outcasts. It's the people that you and I, when you look at whoever those groups of people are in your life that you're a little fearful of or judgmental of, and yet, have you ever said, oh, you know, it's like those people. Those people is who Jesus came for. For Jesus, it wasn't there's us and then there's them. It was just us. And he's making that crystal clear. The people that were attracted to Jesus were the outcasts. They were the the scum of the earth. They were the people that probably weren't very church appropriate. And if we don't have a church that makes those types of people feel welcome, then maybe we kind of have the church that Jesus wouldn't feel welcome in. 
He is associating himself with these people. He's linking arms and saying, these are my people. This is who I came for. So much so that later on in the Gospels, Jesus even got the nickname, friend of sinners. I don't know about you, but I would love to have that said about me. How many real, genuine friends do you have that are not Christians? I'm not talking about acquaintances, and I'm not talking about projects for you to fix. And if they don't believe what you don't believe, well, then forget you. I'm moving on to my next mission project. I don't see that in the way that Jesus lived. He loved being with these people. He didn't conform to their way of life. That's not what we're talking about. How many friends do you have that don't know Jesus, and do they know how much you love them? And how much grace you have for them? And are you gentle with them? And do you pray for them on a regular basis? So Jesus says, if you're going to be a church after my own heart, if you're going to be a church that looks like me, here's the kind of people that are going to feel really, really at home. And maybe you can identify. It's going to be with the people that are broken, the people that have had a painful past, the ones whose lives are the messiest, the ones who feel like I don't even deserve to be here, the ones who think that they aren't quite religious enough, those are the people that will come and say beyond a shadow of a doubt, oh, this church is for me. This is where I belong. These are my people. I'm home. I'm home. That's the kind of church that we want to be. So let's say it once again together. What's our core value? I'll say the first part, you repeat the second part. Lost people matter to God, so? Lost people matter to God, so? They matter to us. In fact, if you think about it, people talk about the things that they love. People that love their kids talk about their kids all the time. People that love their friends talk about their friends. People that love... Uh, binge-watching Fuller House on Netflix. Talk about Fuller House on Netflix. I can, my Facebook feed was just full of people are obsessed with the 90s. If we could just get back to the 90s, right, then everything would be good, right? We talk about what we're passionate about. And for Jesus, what he talked about all the time was things that were lost or people that were lost, and now they're found. Look back at Luke 15. All three of these stories are the same theme. There was a lost sheep. It was found. There was a lost coin. It was found. And there was a lost boy, and he was found. You might know him as the prodigal. The same theme in all of these stories. And I know it's easy to look at this, and a lot of you have heard, oh, you know, it's the story about the lost sheep, and he's all cute, man, you know, goes away, and he's, you know, kind of a cabbage patch doll sort of Jesus, and he comes back and picks him up, and Jesus finds us the lost sheep, and then there's the little coin, and I've heard the prodigal son story before, I get it. And it's easy to think that these stories are cute and irrelevant to our lives until you dig a little bit deeper and realize that Jesus is talking about your friends. Jesus is talking about your coworkers. Jesus is talking about the neighbor that lives across the street from you. Jesus might even be talking about some people in your own family. As a matter of fact, 
Jesus might be talking about you. Because we all get a little lost sometimes, don't we? We all wander sometimes. Maybe Jesus is a little bit more relevant than we thought, and Jesus says, I'm pursuing all of them with a fierce, passionate love. Are you? Does your heart beat for the things that Jesus' heart beats for? Do you pray for your friends to know Jesus on a regular basis? Not as a I should or in any sense of guilt, but the, the most effective thing I can do is pray. I can't change people. I'm not going to get into arguments and debate with, debates with people because I can't argue somebody into heart change. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. We've talked about it before, right? It's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's our job to love. Amen? And that's what we're called to do. And sometimes that love means sharing our faith and being bold and not holding back. Oh, I don't want to offend them. You have the greatest news in the world. You were lost and now you're found and that's your story, so we're called to share it. And here's the thing that we often forget. At the end of all these stories, another common theme is there is joy. There is unexplainable joy when the lost are found. We get a taste of this on a regular basis in our house with our almost three-year-old son, Caleb, now, who's learning a little bit more about life, and he loves the game hide-and-seek. Everybody knows how to play hide-and-seek, right? One person hides, the other person counts, and they go find him. You would think that's how it works. Not in our house. We have reinvented the game of hide-and-seek so that you can just find the person as much as you want. So what, what Caleb is working on his, his speaking and his, kind of his stuttering, and he's got a lot to say, and his mind's working really fast. And so he says, Mommy and Daddy, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go hide. I'm going to go hide. And then, and then, and then you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to stay here. And then, and then you're going to count to, 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 to 10, 30, 10, 7, 30. And then, and then, and then you're going to count and then I'm going to hide and then you're going to come find me. Okay. Right. So he goes and hides and I kid you not, not like six or seven seconds later, we have not moved. We're sitting there going, oh, this is great. We get, you know, 20 seconds for him to go get lost somewhere. No, he comes back seven seconds later. We're still right where we were. And he comes running into the living room and says, you found me. You found me. And we're like, yeah, we did. I, I, I'm going to do it again. And then he runs and he goes and disappears for five seconds. And comes, you found me. And one time it was just him and me. And, and you found, yeah, exactly. You found me. He's got it. And he was so excited that I found him one time that he said, good job, daddy. <laughs> he just loves being found. There is unexplainable joy in being found. And we forget that. We forget the power of the gospel. Lost people can be found. Jesus isn't just talking about a sheep or an irrelevant coin. He's talking about you. He's talking about your friends. He's talking about your family, the people that you care about, the people that are your coworkers. Jesus is passionate about people that are on the outside looking in. And he said it was never meant to be that way. There is joy when the lost are found. Unspeakable joy. So much so that it breaks out into a full-blown party at the end of all of these stories. And here's the thing. If we are not careful, we will miss the joy. Because we will start to assume, now we have this church. 
Now we even have our own building. We have arrived, and so we're just going to hide out here in our little clubhouse because we have been found. We're on the inside. The problem is there's all these people that are on the outside, not just of the church building, you get it, but of God's family, of knowing him, of being connected to him. And there's all these people. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm concerned about you, but I'm just as passionate about the people that aren't here yet because I love it when the lost are found, and we can assume that the number one goal, Jesus' number one goal of our lives is to be comfortable. I'm found, I'm good, I'm arrived, I've got my seat, I get my bulletin, I'm in a small group, I serve once in a while. I don't need to tell anybody else about it. Oh, did you forget the joy already? Did you forget the joy already when the lost are found? And the other barrier we put up for a lot of us here is, oh, You're kidding. There's people sitting in the lobby. It's Lutheran Church of Hope, right? Why do we need to keep inviting? Really? I mean, aren't there enough people here already at all of our campuses? Why do I, should we care about all these people? Why do we need, why am I always saying invite, 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 invite? We'll make room. We'll figure it out. We have a loft. We'll figure it out, right? It's because of stories like this. Stories like my friend Brad. That's not really his name, but we that's, that'll be his name for today. A couple years ago, there was a gentleman who worshipped here at Hope Des Moines very regularly, and he was very active in a lot of our men's groups, and he was a big part of our community, and we got to, I got to know him pretty well. He since moved on. He got another job in, in another city, but he was a big part of our church. Nice family, couple kids. But then as the weeks and months went by, I started to notice I saw him less and less. He'd come once a month, maybe once every couple months, and then three or four months into it, gone. And normally I'm like, well, that's, you know, they maybe found another church or something happened or whatever, but like, I love this guy. We were in relationship. He was a part of our family. So I was getting a little concerned, and I hadn't seen him or heard from him, none of our staff had, so I asked one of our staff members, hey, just shoot Brad an email and say, we're thinking about you, just checking in. And a couple weeks went by, and we finally got an email back. And it was very short, and he was pretty closed off. He didn't say much. And at the end of his email, he said, so I, I guess I'll just see you when I see you then. And I don't know what it was in that moment because clearly he was, had been here and now he was out here. He was disconnected. Nobody had heard from him. And in that moment, something rose up inside of me. And I, I, don't, I don't know, it was like the shepherd for his sheep. I, I don't know what it was, but I just said, no, that is not the way this is going to end. This is not okay. He was a part of our family and he still is. And we're not just going to let him drift out there and, and not have anybody care. And sometimes we have to offer a little bit of challenge because challenge is also love. And I said, that is not the way this is going to end. And, and so I just got on the phone right then. I took a deep breath, I got on the phone, and I called him, and he actually answered. And I said, hey, Brad, this is Pastor John. And there was a silence, and he said, oh, man, am I in trouble? <laughs> I said, no, you're not in trouble. I'm just, I'm just calling to check in. Like, we care about you. I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? And there was a long silence, and as men often do, we have to go, okay, I'll talk about my feelings. And there was a silence, and then he said, this normally strong, put-together man in kind of of a crackling voice said, if you really want to know, 
Two months ago, my wife and I split. She kicked me out. And I've been really depressed since. And I thought about calling you, Pastor John. I thought about calling some of the guys, but I was just too afraid to admit that this had happened to me. And this is what he said. I just figured that nobody would understand. And so I stayed away because, well, this is what he said. I just assumed that God was probably disappointed with me and that you all would be disappointed with me. Normally, I'm a really good listener. I mean, I, I, I passed that class in seminary about caring for people and that you should listen more than you talk and everything like that. But in that moment, because this was my brother, like we had been through life together, again, something rose up in me and I said, I need to tell him some things. He needs to know some things because he's empty and he needs to get filled up. And I said, Brad, I want you to listen to me. <laughs> you are a son of God. <laughs> you are loved and forgiven by him, that his grace was right where you fell. And if there is any place that you should be able to be real, it should be right here in our church family, surrounded by the people that know you best. And I am so sorry that you've gone through this. I know it is so hard and it is so painful and we acknowledge that, but I want you to know something and I want you to hear this loud and clear. You will never be too far away to be found by God. You are never, never too far away. You can never wander too far. You can never doubt too much. You can never get more angry with God where he will not love you and bring you back into the family. You are never too far to be found. And then there was silence, and I'm like, I blew it. And then after the silence, he said, I think we get together and talk a little bit. And then he came back. And I remember the first week that he came back. This is when we were still at the school, and he came walking into the lobby there at the school. And I saw him, and he saw me. That's what it means to be the church. We don't leave people to themselves. We go after people with the love of Jesus Christ because they're valuable to him and they're worth it. And I, I love all of you, but that Sunday, <laughs> I couldn't keep my eyes off him sitting out there knowing his story. But here's the thing, every single one of you has a story. And God reminded me in that moment that maybe these lost stories are not just about the people that are out here. They're also about us because we get lost and, and we wander and sometimes we get stuck in our faith and we don't know what to do and we do the opposite. When things are going on in our lives or we're tired or we're busy, we had a tough week at work, we have relationship struggles, marriage struggles, financial struggles, I don't think I'm going to go this week. I'm tired of putting on the mask. Well, you know what? Take it off. Take it off. And have the courage to say, I don't have it all together, and that's why I'm here. None of us deserve to be here, and that's the point, right? And so we go after people. There's so many Brads out there. And so how do we do that? How do we become that kind of a church? Two things I want to highlight this morning. Number one, we become people of radical invitation. And number two, we become people of radical grace. Radical invitation and radical grace. Everybody say radical. 
And what I mean by radical is the world doesn't quite understand it because it's free. And in the world, it's like you have to be somebody to be on the inside. And in the church, it's you can be anybody and you're welcome. And God loves you right where you are and he refuses to leave you that way. There is a reason that grace and hospitality are lifted up in the New Testament as characteristics of people that are mature in their faith. Because they see God's house just like their house. And so they're going to offer a warm welcome and five-star hospitality to anybody that's coming in. And if you think about it, if you think about it, radical hospitality is a part of all these stories. When the shepherd finds his sheep, they have a party. He gathers everybody around. When the father finds his son, they have a party. He runs out from the front porch and they gather and they kill the fatted calf and it's this great big party. And here's the thing. So often I'll hear people say, we have awesome volunteers, but I'll hear people say, I'm just an usher. I'm just a, I'm just a greeter. I just make the coffee. I mean, come on. I just make the cookies. Oh, wait, those are on Saturday night. You have to come for those. <laughs> I'm just an usher. I'm just a greeter. You know, whatever it is. And I want to look at them and say, no, you're not. You are the father. You are the prodigal father every single week, standing on the front porch here, welcoming people that come into those doors with your arms open wide, saying, welcome home. Welcome home. This is your, your home. Welcome home. We love it that you're here. That you're here. Nothing could be a more important job. So radical grace and radical hospitality. We didn't kill the fatted calf, but there's donut holes. That's like the next best thing, right? We're going to have a party because you're here, because you came home. Because you came home. So radical hospitality, but also radical invitation. There are things that we cannot do as a church to reach people out here. And that's why when God lays it on certain people's hearts to go after some lost sheep, amazing things happen. And one of those people that's a part of our congregation here is a man by the name of Mark Nelson. And Mark happens to be the executive director of Freedom for Youth Ministries, which is the focus of our Lenten project this week. And I'm so excited to have Mark here today. So welcome Mark up to the stage here. So Mark was so kind to come and share just a little bit of his heart. And uh, there's so much to share in a, in a short amount of time. But I, I wanted you to hear from him directly why... Our Lenten project is so important this year. It's called Hope for the Children. Hope for the Children, and that's what Freedom for Youth is all about. Kids, very young, all the way up to late teens and 20s. So they've got the whole gamut there. But speaking of what we've been talking about today, Mark, I know that that is your focus at Freedom for Well. And I can't, I can't think of a better example of going after people that are lost and hurting and broken. That's what you guys do. So tell us a little bit about uh, what Freedom has been up to recently, what, what your heart is, and then about this new project that we're doing this spring. Yeah, everything that you're saying today is just connecting with who Freedom is and, mm -hmm. and what we're all about in reaching lost kids. And, um, you know, Freedom for Youth has been this awesome God story from day one, 13 years ago, where God has been supplying all of the needs of people to go out and reach these lost kids. And so it's been one miraculous story after another. Mm -hmm. And so when we moved to this campus that we're currently at, which was like 10 years ago, um, we had this bar down on the corner. And it is one of those bars that's kind of notorious in the community as having a lot of violence. And mm -hmm. we knew that long-term this was not going to be good. But we have 
over 250 low-income housing units full of children within a block wow. of our place. Wow. And so um, um, as the years went on, we have had people praying. And I literally have people every year that say to me, I just want you to know I'm praying that God's going to somehow give you that bar that you can use it for ministry. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And yeah. then two years ago, we got going on this coffee shop project, which is all about employment training. So we're building this coffee shop where our high schoolers, our homeless young adults that are living in our housing can come and work and they can learn these skills. And so, but now this coffee shop is right next to it. Wow. And so um, we have been ramping up our prayers. Yeah. And just like God always does, I get a call in January from Hope saying, you have anything going on? And here's the thing. I have the people that run the bar don't own it. They don't own the real estate. So I've been talking to the people that own the real estate yeah. about wanting to buy this. And so, You don't normally buy bars. That's not something you normally buy. Not really, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> so... But I can tell you that um, when Hope approached me and it was like I knew God was on the move. I knew he was going to do something. So I approached the owner and they said, yeah, he goes, the lease runs out at the end of this year. And so we have set up an arrangement to purchase this and to tear it down and to build this children's center. So that that is exactly how God wow. has been moving. Praise God. That is yeah. awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. That doesn't happen every day, and God is, is on the move there, and obviously freedom is expanding not just here to Des Moines, but around, around the, the metro area and even out into the state uh, of all these different locations that they have, and one of them is right here, right where you're sitting on Thursday night. We have about 30 to 40 kids that come here for WizKids, which is an extension of Freedom's ministry, and they get loved and they get blessed here, and Mark, I just would you share just for a moment why is what we're doing for kids this Lent? Why is what freedom does for kids, what we do here on Thursday nights with Wiz Kids? why does that matter? So many people will say, it's just kids. You know, it, they're the future. There's enough things to worry about now. Why do kids matter so much? You know, I think the answer to that, what we've heard today, is because they matter to God, right? And, and that we're dealing with young people that are living in very tough situations and are brokenhearted. Um, over half of the kids we work with are refugees. A lot of them are orphans. A lot of them have seen atrocities in refugee camps that we couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And so their little hearts are broken and they have no hope. And so I, I, I tell people sometimes, it's like we're going to the enemy's playground and picking a fight. <laughs> And we're saying yeah. you can't have these kids. Yeah. That these are God's kids, and we're coming to them with the gospel. And you know what? In reality, we're all brokenhearted, right? We all have issues. We're no different than these kids. But what we do have is the hope of a Savior, of Jesus. And that's what we're yeah. telling them. Yeah. And it's changing lives. And it's working. And so, yeah. you know, you look at the big scope of problems in this world, whether it's the overcrowded prisons or it's what about the suicides we hear about in our community? What about teenage pregnancies? What about, you know, poverty? It all starts with these little kids. Yeah. And, and that we can, one child at a time, break a cycle in a family 
and they can grow up um, being God-fearing, um, productive people that love Jesus, and we'll, we'll turn it around. Yeah. Well, I'm just... I. I am so thankful for everything that Freedom is doing, and Mark, it's an honor to have you be here today to be a part of our community and to be going out outside the walls and going and picking a fight with the enemy. I love that. So praise God for Mark. Thank Mark for being here today. Absolutely. You bet. You know, as we talk about this today and as we kind of wrap up, I just want to leave you with this. Some of you will say, I'm not really a kids ministry person. <laughs> That's not really in my wheelhouse. That's normally not what I do. I'm not really passionate about kids ministry. And God says, I am. I am. And that should be more than enough. And so I want to challenge you. Some of you are able to give financially to this. And very soon, we're going to have this beautiful oasis in the middle of the city right out here. We're going to have a playground and the kids can hang out. And right in the middle of downtown can be a place where kids come and learn about the love of Jesus. And where a bar used to be with all this violence, there's going to be 200 kids going to freedom hearing about the love of Jesus. And if you can support that, we would encourage you to do that. But if you can't, and we understand that, and that's totally fine, all of us have time. And so I just want to ask you to pray about that whether it's serving at Freedom for Youth here on Thursday nights with Wiz Kids, or right now, right now, the kids of our community that are in Hope Kids. What an awesome opportunity to raise up the next generation. I'd ask you to pray about that. Because at the end of the day, the question is, what kind of a church are we going to be? What kind of a church? Are we going to sit back and say, well, they're just the kids? Somebody told me once, when it comes to making kids a priority, be the person that you needed when you were young. Somebody stepped in for you. Somebody intersected with your story, whether it was an adult or a teacher or a coach or a mentor or a friend, at some point in your journey, and that's why you're here. And we have the opportunity to do that for these kids, to step in, be the person you needed when you were growing up. Step in and be that person and intervene. What kind of a church are we going to be? Some of you have heard this story, and I think it just, it's a parable. Jesus loves stories, and so we'll end here. A long time ago, there was a lighthouse. There was a small, tiny lighthouse, and it was a life-saving station. It was small, but it had a, a powerful beam, and it was located near a, near a reef where there was a lot of shipwrecks came up and crashed against the shore. And there was a few dedicated individuals that did this and kept constant watch, scanning out there, out on the water to see if there was any ships coming in or if anybody had, had wrecked and there was anybody that needed saving. Well, they got more and more people and saved more and more lives and there was more and more people coming in and the little life-saving station grew in popularity and so more and more people started joining it. They gave their time and their talents and their money to support the mission. There was new boats were purchased and new crews were trained and it grew rapidly. Over time though, some of the members became dissatisfied. It's a little too messy around here. This mission that we're on to save, save souls, save lives is hard. 
it's inconvenient. It's too challenging. It gets, gets us out of our comfort zone. And so instead of going out, they kind of abandoned their life-saving duties and they stayed back where it was safe and where it was comfortable and they became known as the club. Well, they had a big meeting and there was members of the club and then there was a few members that still wanted to be about the mission and they had this meeting and they had to decide, what are we going to be about? It's our mission statement. We save lives out there on the ocean. Are we going to keep doing that or are we just going to sit back and become a club? And they voted and they decided to play it safe. We got this big old life house, this big old cavern here. We're going to stay here and if you want to go do that, that's fine. But that's just for you. So a small group of individuals wandered down the coast on that same beach and they built a new little life lighthouse with a new little life-saving station. And to this day are scanning the ocean, constantly going out looking for people that need rescue. And to this day, all along that coast, there's a lot of clubs. But there's very, very few life-saving stations. Jesus said, my mission is to seek and to save the lost. And the most dangerous thing that we could do as a church is to believe that once we're in, that we've arrived. The purpose of the church and the purpose of being found is the unexplainable joy that catapults you back out into mission every single week. That's why we often say when all of you are going to leave here in a little bit, the church has left the building. And that's the point. Amen? Amen. The church has left the building because that's where the sheep are that need rescued. That's where the lost coin is. That's where the prodigals are. And when we realize that we have been pursued by God himself with his love when we didn't deserve it, that moves us out into mission, out of our comfort zones, even when it inconveniences our schedules and gets messy and gets hard. That's the mission, to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand together. That mission starts here. Because for some of you today, even though you're here, you still feel like you're isolated. You still feel like you're alone, and some of you might feel like the lost sheep. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, before you skirt on out of here, my challenge to you is to find one person in this room that you don't know. All the introverts are leaving now. I get that. That's fine. Why not, though? If we're going to do it out there, it should probably start in here, and we should know our family. Whether it's your first time here or your thousandth time here, we need to know each other, to go and pursue each other. And I want you to just ask three questions. I want you to learn each other's names. I want you to just share with each other how long you've been, been a part of Hope or been, been coming, even if it's your first day. And then last but not least, just share one thing that God showed you today. What's one thing, whether from the message or from, from worship or just being around, what's one thing God taught you today? Your name, how long you've been at Hope, and one thing that God put on your heart today. That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have pursued us. 
And I pray that you would uh, come and ruin our comfort today. We pray for a holy passion. We pray for a holy discontent that there are people that are not here yet. God, and we know that it has nothing to do with Lutheran Church of Hope and it has everything to do with your kingdom. And God, just as we saw little Hendrick come into your family this morning and there was much rejoicing, I pray that we would have that same joy and that same passion so that other people could come and, and, and be known and be a part of your family. And so we pray that you would intersect our path this week with people that we could invite to be a part of things, that we could build a relationship with, with kindness and gentleness and love. God, we thank you that you have surrounded us with a family here so that we never have to be alone. We never have to run and hide because there's nothing to hide from because your perfect love casts out all fear. And so we turn to you today and we turn towards those people around us, embracing them as our brothers and sisters and then going outside these walls and doing the exact same thing. Thank you for the incredible mission, Jesus, that you've given us. And we pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said together, amen. amen. Find somebody you don't know. Have an awesome week. We'll see you later.